That was awesome. Yeah, great. Nothing better than uh, seeing a bunch of little children up here and realizing what's going on with the uh, commitment that the parents made. And there's only one part of the whole deal, Dennis. I don't know about you, Dennis. You know, I mean, like projecting your child and man, I think that's the first time anybody's ever done anything like that, Dennis. All right. Just kidding. Proud dad there. So that's great. That's the way to be. Well, hey, speaking of children, uh, Royal Family Kids Camp was this past week. And so I sent a text to Mark Thingvall, who was up with me last uh, Sunday. We prayed and sent him a text this morning saying, how'd it go? And uh, got a message back from him right away. And he said, you know, it was just a the whole week, just everything just went so smoothly. Uh, we saw these children being able to understand how God can meet them and give them, help them at their times of fear in their life. You know, something can be so real for a child. And, and then he said, you know, what topped it all off was seeing six of the children come to faith in Jesus Christ. And, and that, I mean, it's just absolutely awesome. And I just thank God for that. And, and, and then to realize that we had 46, 46 of the total of, of 62 volunteers at the camp were from Brookside. And so way to go, all of you volunteers. And yes, absolutely, absolutely. Okay? And then, and then give yourself a hand. Those of you, in your last Sunday I asked you to pray every day for the camp. So those of you who did pray this week, you know, Boy, I give you a hand for, for doing that. That's, that's really awesome and so important. And that's why we really believe the Spirit of God worked in a really great way this last week at camp. Let me also tell you, you know, I was, I, I was up here last Sunday and I and, uh, talked about this thing that we've been going through um, in these first few months of this year that we have deficit of, of $80,000. And, you know, I sent a letter out to you that you all got before last Sunday. Well, uh, thank God uh, to you, all of you because you really responded. And we had such an, an amazing offering last Sunday that not only did we meet our budget last Sunday, but we brought our deficit down from 80000 to $26,000. So, I mean, we had one incredible offering, and praise God for that. So, thank you. Thank you. Okay. So I got a question. Does everybody here, do you know what a life hack is? Anybody? I did not know what they were until Rob came to us with the title for this series. A life hack is, it's a simple way of doing things that, that when you do it, when you, whenever you do that like life hack, it will add value to your life. And so, for example, I, I learned this one last year. If you want to charge your phone faster, one good way to do that is to put, put your phone on airplane mode. I don't know if you knew that, but that's, that was kind of fun to find out. And then, you know, I was thinking, you know, I know it's a, a few months away from your kids going off to college, but for you moms who are sending your sons off to college, and if, if, uh, if it's like their second year and you happen to have been in their dorm room last year after a few months, you know, and you walked out going like, whoa, you know, here, here's another life hack that you could use. Uh, does your dorm room smell bad? Uh, 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 tape a dryer sheet over the AC unit and turn it on. You know what a dryer sheet, you know, that, that's to make things smell good? 
And you know they're never going to put their clothes inside of a dryer. You know, they do that when they come home. So they, they can send, send a box of these uh, uh, dryer sheets with, okay? Then the room will smell great all year long. All right. Did you know that the book of Proverbs is full of life hacks? In fact, we counted them this week. There are 631 total life hacks in the book of Proverbs. And, and i got to tell you, n- n- none of them are about saying anything that is minor, that's little. None of them are a take it or leave it kind of a deal. And, and so I'm, I'm not exaggerating when I say that every one of those life hacks is a brilliant insight on how to live the most successful life possible. And this is especially true if you add them all up together and you begin, you live them out in your life. And, and so I know this is true because while they're easy to understand and something that any one of us can do, they're life-changing because what they do is they speak to issues that not only impact who you are as a person, but they also, they make all the difference in your ability to have an influence for good in the lives of other people. And so beginning today and next, the, the next six Sundays, uh, Jeff and I are going to unpack seven of these gems of truth. And, and so what I thought is we'll save the remaining 624 for another series, all right? In fact, I was thinking when Jeff becomes the lead pastor in 2017, it could be his first series. It would be about two years <laughs> long in length. So I'm going to suggest that to Jeff. He might do that. So, but seriously, somebody asked me, why, why the seven that we've picked out? And, and the best answer that I could give is they're right at the top for making life go really well. And I think you'll agree once, once you've sat through and listened through this whole series. So here's today's life hack, God, uh, life hack God's word of wisdom. Okay, uh, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. For some of you here this morning, this might be the very first time you've ever heard this statement. Very first time. And if it is, I am so glad you're here this morning because what this is, is this is the life hack of all life hacks. Okay? It, it, is, it is the number one way for you to be able to open up the door for God to do amazing things in your own life. What God, only God can do in, in anybody's life. And, and, then, and, and then I know there's some of you here today who probably like me, uh, you learned this when you were a little kid. And you have read it so many times in your life. You've memorized it. You've heard multiple sermons on, on these two verses. And so you might be sitting here right now thinking to yourself, I'm going to tune him out for the next 30 minutes. or you know. And so what I, what I want to ask you to do is don't do that. All right? Instead, you know, come ask the Spirit of God to speak to you in a whole new way through these verses, to speak to you in a very personal and a very powerful way. And I, I think you, you, I'm convinced you won't regret it if you listen, all right? So let me bottom line what this life hack is telling us. And I'm going to say it this way. There, there, there is a fundamental decision facing every person who's chosen to follow Jesus. And this is what it is. 
It's how seriously you're going to take your faith. It's how, how much are you going to let your faith affect your day-to-day life, your decisions, the, the decisions and choices that you make, and what you think and what you say and what you do? And the answer, the challenge comes to us with this proverb. Really, the answer that the writer's looking for us is for, for us to put all of our life in God's hands, to trust him fully, to let God lead and guide you in every single area of your life, to give God full shot, the opportunity to prove himself trustworthy to you. That's the challenge that comes with these two verses. And it, so it, it, what it does, it gives to us this incredibly valuable life hack for our lives, and it's this statement, trust God fully. Okay? Trust God fully. What we're going to do is we're going we're to look at these two verses phrase by phrase, and then before we end our time together, I'm going to ask you to, to make what I'm convinced is a life, life-changing decision for your life. So l- let's begin by looking at the first phrase. Uh, this statement, get a drink here. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. So let me ask you, what does that really mean to you? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Perhaps a good way to understand this is through the common experience we all go through in developing relationships with other people. Uh, 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 and, uh, And really a big part of this is building trust. And whether we're consciously aware of it or not, from the first points of interaction with another person, we start keeping track of how trustworthy that person really is. For example, are they someone who keeps their commitments? Or are they someone who can be trusted to keep confident some serious matters of the heart that you've shared with them? Do, do, they, do they keep that to themselves? Are they someone who's consistently been truthful with you? Are they someone that, as you've been around them, you find that they're honest with everybody else in their dealings with people? Have they, have they proven themselves to be a friend you can go to for advice? You can receive guidance that's wise and constructive toward you making good decisions. You see, over time, based on your experiences with this person, your, your trust in them will either grow or it, or it will diminish. And the point I'm making in all of this is that whenever you're establishing a, a trusting relationship, there are, there are risks, involve, risks involved. There, there are steps that you've got to take. You, you've got to engage with that person. You've got, to, you've got to take little steps. In fact, it can be kind of messy. You take little stif- steps. You take little risks. You take, and then you take... Bigger steps and bigger risks, and, and, and really that's the way it works with human relationships. And after a period of time, and you know, quite a few months go by, at the end of it all, you say to yourself, you know what, I trust this person. I've got every reason to trust them. Or you say the very opposite, you say, man, I can't trust them. There, there have been too many letdowns, too many inconsistencies, too many disappointment. See, either way, in order for you to reach that conclusion, you have to engage with that person. You know, it's the same way in our relationship with God. In order to get to the point 
where you can say that you trust God, you have to engage with God. You have to engage with God personally. It has to be genuine. You have to be earnest about it. And, and, in, and you got to do this in, in all of those everyday interactions, situations that you deal with in life. I mean, that's the only way you can determine for yourself where you can say with conviction and confidence that, yes, I trust God. I really do trust God. Now, you might be here today and you'd say, well, Steve, I've been doing this. I've been taking little steps in this investigating process. I've, I've been reading the Bible, been at, attending worship, I've been asking questions. I've even brought some of my needs and concerns to God in prayer. You say, I've tested some of what I've read in the Bible, and, and, and I'm applying it to my life, and I'm finding, you know what, this is really true. And the more I've done this, the more convinced I've become that God is who God says he is, that, that Jesus really is. The Bible says he's the son of God. The, the, I'm really believing that. And, and, and I've found that the Bible is true, that there's a whole bunch of reality to all of this. Everything you've experienced with God confirms that God is someone who can be trusted. And I would just say to you, then I think probably you're ready for the next step. And it's a really big step. No question about it. After you've done all of this investigating, you found God trustworthy, Jesus trustworthy, then the thing that I would encourage you to do is take that next step where you allow Jesus to become your Savior. The forgiver of all hum humanity's sin to forgive your sin. The, the leader of the whole world to become the leader of your life. So what I'm going to do at the end of this service I'm going to give you the opportunity to take this step of faith. And I thought, you know, before I ask you to do that, I encourage you to do that, I'm going to wait to the end because I thought, you know what, it might really add even that much more confidence that you're making the right decision if you stick with me and you listen to the rest of what he wrote. So here's, again, the first phrase, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Here's what's so important to understand. After you find God trustworthy in the seeking process, and after you find God trustworthy when you ask him to come into your life, then you've got to experience those daily kinds of trusting situations. Trusting God with all your heart in every situation, at every intersection, so that when you're faced with God's path and, and your own path, you take God's path. I can guarantee you that every time you do this, you'll discover anew the trustworthiness of God. That God's path is truly better and wiser than any path you might choose for yourself or, or the path that somebody else might choose for you. This is what's so important not to miss. What it all comes down to is our willingness to make the choices God would have us make at the intersections of our life. And I can tell you this. I'm 64 years old, and, and I'm more convinced today of the trustworthiness of God than I've been in my life. I don't regret a single time that I've followed God's path. Sometimes it was hard. Sometimes it was confusing. There were times when, when everything within me wanted to go in my own direction. But I can tell you, 
through all these years, I have no regret for taking the path that God led me on. What I do regret are those times that I refuse to follow God's path. In fact, I would say, it's like I've got, it's like I have two files for these crossroads in life. I have a stupid file, and I have a smart file. My stupid files for those times that I chose to trust myself rather than God and go my own way, my smart file is for those times I trusted God and I followed his path for my life. I've always regretted the first. I've never regretted the second. Now, let's look at the second phrase. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. What does that mean? Well, it doesn't mean you throw your brains away when you start to develop as a follower of Jesus Christ. It, it doesn't mean that you discount your ability to be discerning. It doesn't mean you pretend that you haven't learned anything throughout the course of your life. It means this. It means that you and I should be wary of our reflex human reaction to complex life situations. It means that the human perspective is always a bit lim limited and we desperately need God's perspective or chances are we're going to mess things up if we just follow human intuition. All it's saying, friends, is that even those who are pretty smart, who may have had a lot of life experiences, in spite of all of that, our human logic is awfully limited and sometimes it's flawed. Human intuition can be dead wrong. Our best notions about the way things ought to be sometimes are ill-advised, destructive, and dangerous. You see, when it comes right down to the key decisions of our lives, we need more than our limited wisdom can offer. We desperately need the wisdom of God, his mind on the matter. And when he gives it to us through his word and by his spirit, we've got to trust it and live by it. And each time we do, each time we do, we're going to look back and we're going to say, I'm so glad I didn't go on intuition there. You know what? I'm, I'm so glad that I took God's path at that intersection. I would have wrecked everything if I didn't. And so when in doubt, when in doubt, always, always, always trust the wisdom of God. Which brings us to the third phrase. In all your ways, submit to him. So let's get right to the point of what this phrase means. In all your ways, submit to him. Let me tell you, everybody, what every area of your life you decide to keep God out of. Whatever you decide to retain control of, to mastery of it, manage your way instead of God's way, I can guarantee you that that one area is likely to be enough all by itself to imperil the quality of your life in the lives of those around you. I mean, how many holes does it take to sink a ship? Huh? One. And it doesn't even have to be a very big hole. See, what I've found is that many Christian, Christ followers trust God and they follow his wisdom in almost every area of their life. Something like nine out of ten. And they pat themselves on the back for the nine, but that one area they keep control of. 
And it might be you're doing this. You might be doing this. It might be a lifestyle issue. There's something in your life that you know is wrong, but you're not willing to give it up. It could be deceit. It could be pornography. It could be the abuse of alcohol or drugs, whatever it might be. It might be self-centeredness, where it's always all about you. You know, getting your way, manipulating others to do exactly what you want them to do. It might be your relationship with your husband or your wife. Where, where, you know, it's, it's an unwillingness to, to care for and, and encourage and, and serve each other. An unwillingness to admit you're wrong when you're wrong. An unwillingness to forgive when you should forgive. It might be your career. It's become all-consuming. and In a way, it's like your little God. To your, your harm and, and to the harm of everybody around you. It might be your money. As much as you read in scripture about what God said about, tells us about spending and saving and giving our money, you're you're still saying to yourself, you know what, I'm going to do it my way, God. This one part of my life I'm going to keep control of. It might be a relationship you know is wrong. You know it's wrong. But you want that relationship and you're not willing to give it up. It might be pride, thinking you're better than everybody, where you're the kind of person where you're always critical of other people. You're always finding fault with other people, whatever it is. In that one area, you're saying, God, God, I know your word. I know what your word says. And and God, I know what your Holy Spirit is prompting me to do. But God, the answer is no. The answer is no. I'm going to manage this one on my own. You know what, everybody? It's absolutely uncanny. That one area will, and I mean will, not might, it will eventually start to affect other areas of your life. And pretty soon life will not be working very well. And you can trace it back and you will see that it's, it, it was that one little private domain that you thought you could manage better than God. You see, everybody, any area of life that's not under God's leadership and God's wisdom eventually will be the source of great heartache and great pain and great frustration. Boy, I can tell you this. Give that one area to God. Trust God with that one area of your life. Take your hands off it and let God have control. And I can promise you, God will give you a peace and a joy in your life that you couldn't have any other way. And you'll just see your life explode in the right direction. I mean that in a positive way. So the writer of Proverbs says, do not submit yourself to that kind of risk of hanging on to any one area of your life and not letting God in. It's saying if you have any secret private domains that are unyielded to God, turn them over to Jesus and all your ways submit to him. And here's the last phrase of this brilliant life hack. It's a promise. God said, I will. God said, he, God, will make your paths straight. Let's be sure we understand what this means. It's a promise. 
But it's not this promise. God isn't saying that he's going to make us healthy and and wealthy, you know, and and comfortable and popular. That everything in his life is going to go just the way we want it to go. No, God's saying, God's saying, if you trust me with all your heart, if you lean not on your own understanding, if, if you submit everything to me, God's saying that I'm going to give your life direction. God's saying, I'm going to guide you and I'm going to protect you. God's saying, I'm going to give your life purpose. God's saying, I'm going to work in and through your life. God's saying, I'm going to give you inner satisfaction in your life. And God's saying, I'm going to lead you into heaven when you die. And it doesn't get better than this. So friends, what I want you to know is there's an adventure with your name on it that God wants to lead your future into. There's going to be hardships along the way, difficulties. We all go through that kind of stuff. But there's a plan. There's an adventure that God's inviting you to be a part of. And either you turn your palms over and you say to God, I'm going to sign up. God, I'm going to trust you with all of my heart. God, I'm going to let you lead and guide my life all the way to the end. And then, God, I'm going to let you take me into heaven itself. Either you sign up for that deal or you're on your own. And it comes down to a decision of trust, to trust God fully. And so here's my question for you this morning. Really, it's a life-defining question. The question is, are you willing to trust God today and see God prove himself trustworthy to you? Are you willing to trust God fully? That's a huge question. In fact, I had a guy come up to me afterwards, and man, I just thought, thank you for giving me that. You were, it was so sharp. He said, you know what? He said, it's like you make that decision. You make that decision. I'm going to trust God fully with all of my life. Then when you come up against each one of those intersections and decision points in your life, you don't have to figure out what you're going to do because you've already decided. I'm going to go the way God would have me go. I'm going to trust God with this. I'm going to submit myself to Jesus. See, I'm convinced that God's giving us here the most valuable life hack that any one of us could have in our own life. And it all comes down to a decision of trust. A few minutes. We're going to share together in the single most powerful act of worship that you and I can do together. It's really the number one reason to trust God. We're going to remember Christ's death for each one of us. And so you might have come here today, and you might have been, you might be saying to me, even as I'm preaching, man, Steve, I've had time to test whether or not God can be trusted. I've been on this investigative journey, and and God's proven himself to be trustworthy to me each step of the way. And and so I would say to you, if you haven't taken the step yet, to take that big step, the really big step, trusting Jesus as your Savior. And you can do it right now in these next few minutes. and, And you can pray this simple prayer where you would say, Jesus I do need forgiveness for my sin. I need you to be my savior. I need you to lead and guide my life. You can can have that conversation with God here right now. Or it may be that you came here today as a follower of Jesus. You've been a follower of Jesus for 
one year or two years or three years or who knows how many years, many, many years. Trusted him as your savior. But there's parts of your life you haven't trusted him with yet. There's parts of your life that you haven't submitted to him. You've been trying to do it on your own, your own way. And so you can pray another prayer. It could be like this. Jesus, I ask your forgiveness for me hanging on to this sin in my life. I ask your forgiveness for my, my stubborn refusal to trust you with this part of my life. I ask for your strength, Jesus, to surrender myself fully to you, to trust you fully. So I'm going to ask our hosts to come forward, and they're going to hand out the bread and the cup, and they can do that now. And as they do, I would, I would just ask you to use this time to have the conversation with God that you, you really need to have, whatever step of trust that you need to make right now, okay? Now, I want you to know our, our communion, as what we're doing here this morning, is open to everybody who's a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ. And if you haven't been here before, uh, we just reach way down, take two cups. One has the bread in, the other one has the juice in. And I'll come back up and, and uh, lead us in this time of communion, okay? A few minutes.
I'm so thankful that my mom and my dad, when I was a little boy, explained those verses to me. Help me understand what it meant to trust God with all my heart. Just so grateful for that. And I think of, I can remember back as a little kid, I can think of times, you know, as a child, just grade school, times of fear in my life. And I can, I can remember just because I had memorized those verses, just playing them through my mind and how, how they just spoke to me, even as a child. And then when I was in high school, oh, boy, isn't that true? There can be so many things in that part of your life that can create fear. Times when you're faced with that decision, am I, am I going to go this way or this way? Am I, am I going to go my way or God's way? And I'm so, so thankful for being able to have those verses in my, in my mind and, and how the Spirit of God would just take them and speak to me and, and use them to help me make the right decision. So thankful for that. And then off to college and well, you know what college brings, right? I mean, talk about having to make choices between my way or God's way, the way of everybody or the way of God. You know, all those choices over and over again. So thankful I had those verses memorized. And how God, how the Spirit of God just spoke to me through them. You know, and and to get married and begin to have children. Boy, if there's ever a time you need those verses, it's when you have children. You know, when they're little and you just want to protect them so much. And as they, you know, you go through, they get sick and you go like, whoa, you know. It's the world coming to an end. You know, trusting, trusting over and over again. And then when they're in high school, it's like, okay. Wake up in the middle of the night, trust the Lord with all your heart. And then you have those things in life that just kind of hit you around the corner. Never saw that coming. Everything in you and your everything in you just cries out to God. Help me trust you, God. Help me trust you. Oh, I tell you what, if you ever want proof that God can be trusted, it's right here on the cross of Jesus Christ. The God, the God who sent his son to this earth to be our savior. We can look at that cross. We can do what we're doing this morning. And what it says to us, if God did that for me, I have every reason to trust God with every part of my life. Isn't that right? And so one night, Jesus sat with a group of men who were having a really hard time trusting. Men following him as his disciples. And they were just, talk about being full of fear. They were full of fear. And Jesus took the bread and he said to them, Take heed, this is my body which is going to be given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And we can do that this morning.
And then at the end of the meal, took the cup. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's share this together. Let's stand and pray, okay? You stand with me and let's pray. Father, we praise you and we thank you that you are a completely trustworthy God. We praise you and we thank you, God, that you proved this to us in sending your son to this earth to be our Savior. You met us, God, at the point of our greatest need our sinfulness. And you provided a way for us to be forgiven, to be able to have a relationship with you, and to be able to trust you with all of our life. We praise you and we thank you for this. And we pray it in the name of your precious Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, and for your glory. Amen.